Uh, We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 this morning. You can turn there as we're continuing in this series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, You know, it's important to revisit the Ten Commandments and revisit some important Old Testament instruction uh, now and again for us because it can be easy to forget or sometimes it can be easy just to look completely past uh, commands that God has given. And uh, it's really important for us when we think about the Ten Commandments, however, because nine of the Ten Commandments that God had given to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament uh, are repeated commands that you and I as believers today should be following as well. And it's important because there are really important things that we see revealed about God as well as ourselves as we dive into these commands. Uh, A lot of times I think about the the Old Testament scriptures and some of the statements that God has made or instruction God has made. And a lot of times as believers, it can be easy just to want to dismiss that or look past that. And yet there's a lot of relevancy and importance to us revisiting and understanding these things. I think of it in in regards to a sign that you might see if you ever go swimming at a pool, a public pool or a hotel pool or whatever, you know there are those warning signs that when you're walking in that give all of these rules, pool rules, that you're supposed to abide by and read through. I don't know how many of you even read through those, but most of the time, when you go to the pool, you don't take the time to stop and you know, read every single one of those rules. Typically, they're all the same, and they would include like no diving, no horseplay, don't pee in the pool, and, and other things that would be on that list. And chances are the majority, if not all of them, hate to break it to you, are broken when, when you go to public pools. And chances are you're going to see someone diving when they're not supposed to be diving and you're going to see some kids or people who are are, you know roughhousing in the pool or they're throwing each other or they're dunking each other under the water you're going to see those individuals that are kind of off by themselves and they're probably peeing in the pool Uh, but all of the things that are on those lists kind of just get overlooked or bypassed we don't take the time to read them again because we've already been there done that read those and we know those already Well, a lot of times that's the attitude that we have in regards to the Ten Commandments is that God has given these Ten Commands and they're talked about, they're referenced in many ways, uh, and we think we got them, we got them down, we know them. We can recite them if we had to, and, and yet the reality is most of us could not. We don't even know what they are, let alone be able to say what they are, and certainly don't know them in order, not that that's that important, but uh, it's good to revisit these things. And so that's what we're doing in this series is revisiting the Ten Commandments. I want to throw them up on the screen for you just to jog your memory, just to refresh you there. These are the Ten Ten Commandments, and you've been seeing these each and every week. It's good to reflect. It's good to remember. It's good to uh, say these together, and repetition is good, helps us to remember them. So I'm going to give you a chance to participate this morning and just read these with me. Number one, do not worship. Read read them with me. I, I like say them with me as I go through. Number one, do not worship any other gods. Number two, do not make idols. Number three, do not misuse the name of the Lord. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, do not murder. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Number nine, do not give false witness. Number 10, do not covet. Now, as we read through this list of 10, I don't know if any of those in particular jump out to you or maybe 
cut you a little bit deeper than other ones because you could read through that list and chances are, if you're just casually reading through that list, you'd have to say, hey, stop right there. I am guilty in some capacity of breaking one, if not many, if not all of these commands. Unless we think of ourselves too highly, Jesus even instituted in the New Testament the understanding that even if we think of some of these things or have these things happening in our hearts, we're guilty of actually doing it. And so maybe not in action, but in thought or in heart, we've broken some of these commands as well. We've only covered the first three so far. Do not worship any other gods, do not make idols, and do not misuse the name of the Lord. And I would expect at just our covering of the first three, if you're like me, you would say, man, I have been at some point guilty of breaking the first three commands at some point in my life. Elevating or putting someone or something even above God at times or caring more about pleasing others than even the Lord in certain situations or certain circumstances that have had happen in my life or elevating someone or something even above God in the way that I would serve them or consider their needs even above what God would command me, um, certainly in misusing the name of the Lord either in word or in action, uh, we would be guilty. And, and really that's the point of the law. The reason the law was given, we're told in the word of God, was to point us to Christ. It was to reveal that we were incapable of keeping perfectly God's standards. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14, I just want you to see the opening verse here where Paul says, all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. It's written, cursed be everyone who does not buy it by all things written in the book of the law and do them. It's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. You see, here's what Paul was saying, and if you go on to that next slide and towards the end of it, it says that the Lord uh, is not going to show us through keeping the law that we can be made righteous, but it says right there, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us so that in Christ we might have forgiveness. In Christ we might be made righteous alive. You see, the word of God reminds us that you and I as people, as human beings, we are guilty of breaking the law of God. We could not perfectly keep all the standards that God had set for us. And listen, if if you're a, a child and you've had parents that gave you instruction, you know that you don't keep all of your parents' instruction perfectly, right? You haven't or you still don't. The same is true as it relates to our position in, in, in this world as sinful individuals with a holy, perfect God. We cannot, we're incapable of completely, fully, perfectly keeping up to the measure of holiness that God has set on our own. We needed Christ. Now through Jesus and a relationship with Christ, as we've been mentioning every week, there's forgiveness of sin and we can be seen as righteous in God's sight through Christ. But the point of the law was to show forth that we needed a savior, that we needed Jesus. And so um, we are lawbreakers. We are guilty. 
Uh, in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, the law was given, the commands were given, and one of the reasons the command was given not only was to show their sinfulness that they needed Christ, but it was also to set them apart as the people of God. They would be identified as the people of God. And in particular, the fourth command that we're looking at today, that the, the command to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy would serve in that regard to set apart the nation of Israel as God's covenant people, as people that worshiped and served the one true living God. This happens to be the only commandment of the 10 that is not repeated in the New Testament for the church, uh, to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. And yet, I believe it's very important for us to understand the Sabbath, understand why God gave this command, and also how that has relevancy for you and I today. Look at Exodus chapter 20. Verses 8 through 11, that's where we're going to be at this morning. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So I want to look this morning at this command of the Sabbath day, to remember the Sabbath day and and keep it holy. I want to give a few uh, just kind of um, truths regarding the Sabbath day and then take from that uh, some principles that I think are important for us to implement and to remember as we seek to honor the Lord in our living as we go from here. So first of all, in regards to the Sabbath day, we need to understand the Sabbath day was to be a day of rest. The Sabbath day was to be a day of rest. Uh, The very word Sabbath in the Hebrew is to mean to rest or to cease from work. Um, God took this very seriously as he would call on the nation of Israel to have a day that would be set apart where they would rest from their labor. Um, He says in verse 9 that we already looked at, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. This was to be a day of rest. Uh, Now it's interesting because God is going to give as the example in Exodus chapter 20, the example of creation as the example or model that God had given already for the nation of Israel to understand resting on the seventh day. And so what does he do? He brings back their memory to the creation account. That's what he brings them back to. He says, for in six days the Lord created the heavens. He says, uh, remember the Sabbath day, and he tells them in six days, verse 11, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. And so he puts as an example the creation account. God rested from all of his labor, from all of his work on the seventh day. And so you should rest on the seventh day, nation of Israel. You should follow this example that the Lord has set. In six days he worked, but on the seventh day he rested from all of his labor. Now let me just stop for a moment and and help us to understand uh, from the very outset, our God has all power, all knowledge, can do all things. There's never a point in time in which God becomes weak. Uh, That the almighty God of the universe, the creator God, did not have to rest because he just couldn't do any more work. 
Uh, if you read the creation account, um, God really spoke into existence what would, would take place in that creation account. And it doesn't really seem that the all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing God really had to put forth much effort at all to be able to see creation take place and happen. And yet, as a model, as an example, he would rest on the seventh day. In Genesis chapter 2, 1 to 3, it says, The heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Not because he had to rest, because he chose to, God would set this as an example uh, that would follow. Work six days, rest on the seventh. Now, can I just say as well that this is a great um, text, great reminder, uh, and great uh, support for a six, 24-hour literal day creation period where God created in six literal days. And here's why. Some of you may have a lot of different viewpoints on creation, the creation account. But God is using as the picture of rest on the seventh day his creation in six days. And see, that picture of resting on the seventh, as God did, makes no sense. It is not a good picture of rest on the seventh if God did not mean day by day when he gives the creation account. If it's not a six twenty-four hour period, it makes no sense then to use that as the example of working six 24-hour periods and resting on the seventh day makes no sense if it's not a six-day literal creation period. So I would hold, as someone who believes in a six-day literal creation period, this is a great text that shows forth God uses that very picture as the picture for the Sabbath day rest. Doesn't make sense otherwise, okay? And so again, God is setting himself as the example. And here's what I love about our God, and this is what our God does, is even though God doesn't have to do that, he does that. Out of care, out of a modeling, as an example for us, he would rest on the seventh day and he would call on the nation of Israel to do the same. Isn't it great when God does that? Uh, I think immediately about uh, my relationship with my kids. My daughter, Leah, right now when she's eating, we cut up her food into very little bites for her, and we tell her all the time, hey, eat little bites. And so if she's having chicken or steak or something, we cut it up into real little bites for her. And so to model that, I'll cut mine up to like a little bite. Look, daddy's eating a little bite too, and I'll put it in. Now listen, I can handle more than that, okay? But I cut it up into little bites for her so she can see me taking it so that she thinks, oh, daddy's eating little bites, I'll eat little bites. And we want her to like not, you know, bite off more than she can chew literally in what she's eating. So I'll model that for her. I don't have to. I can eat more than that. I can take more than that. But I do it so that she can see it and there's a model for her. In many ways, God did that from the very beginning of creation in modeling this seventh day rest that he was instituting as the Sabbath here in the Ten Commands for the nation of Israel. It was to be a day of rest. It was to be a day that they would rest from their labor. In Exodus chapter 16, when the nation of Israel was out in the wilderness and God would provide manna 
from heaven, God would even call on the nation of Israel when they were in the wilderness to work six days, to gather food for six days, and on the sixth day, gather twice as much so that on the Sabbath, on that Saturday that they would go out, they had twice as much so that they could rest on that Sabbath and not gather for their food for that day. God was instituting and setting up as an example this Sabbath rest. Now, it could be easy to look at that and be like, big deal. Like, what if they didn't keep it? Was God really that serious about that? Well, let me read to you what God says in Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 to 14, specifically about the Sabbath. It says, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates the Sabbath is to be put to death. Let me say that again. Anyone who desecrates the Sabbath is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. So God was very, say how serious was God really about the Sabbath day? Well, he said anybody who desecrates that day should be put to death. So pretty serious about his standard for the Sabbath day. Anyone who was to do any work should be cut off from their people. Why? Because God is going to show and share with them that this was going to be a sign that they belong to him. Keeping the Sabbath day, setting it apart, stopping from their labor and their work was something that would set them apart to all of the surrounding nations and all of the surrounding people that they belong to God, that they worship the creator God who himself rested on the seventh day. And so it was a marking of the nation of Israel that they belong to God, that they are his people, and it was one that God took seriously. It was to be a day of rest. Number two, the Sabbath day was to be a day set apart for worship of the Lord. Now, this wasn't the primary focus of the Sabbath, was to worship the Lord, and yet we read not only in the account that we've read in the book of Exodus, but also we'll see later on in Deuteronomy, that the Sabbath was a day that was set apart for rest, but also a day set apart to the Lord. It was a day that was set apart for the Lord, to the Lord, unto the Lord. It was a day that they would remember and that they would remember who God is and what God has done. And we'll see that in just a moment. It was a day to rest from their labor, but also a day that would serve as a constant reminder of the power and greatness of the Lord in his creation and in all that had been created. Um, it was a day that would be set apart to remember and to worship the Lord to give him that worship and praise, to remember and reflect and to exalt his great name. I want you to think about that in regards to days that we celebrate or remember even today. Uh, you know, we celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, um, special days that we want to commemorate or remember something that was important to us. My, my daughter, Lydia, has a birthday coming up. Her birthday is on May 6th. And uh, she said yesterday on May 1st, she said, hey, it's, it's my birthday week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's your birthday like, week. It used to be, when I was a kid, it was my birthday. Like now, kids are like, it's my birthday week. I talked to someone not long ago who was like, oh, it's my birthday month. Like birthday month. Like what, where is this come from? It's going to be like birthday quarter. Like it's my birthday half year of my birthday. Like whatever. But it used to be a day. Then it's a week. Now it's a month. For some people it will be a quarter. We, we get the picture though that, that there are certain days that we remember and we set apart as special 
And on that day, it's all about that person, right? It's all about remembering that event, that activity, that special event or activity or individual. We, we get that. We understand that. In many ways, that is what weekly the Sabbath would serve as for the nation of Israel. Not only a day of rest, but a day that was a day of reflection and worship of the Lord. Uh, He says in this passage, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And he says that the seventh day, verse 10, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It was to be unto the Lord, not unto themselves, not for their own selfish desires, motives, or wants, but it was to be unto the Lord. Uh, we're told elsewhere that the Sabbath was, was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. It was a day that man could rest, that they could rest from their labor, but that they could also reflect and that they could also set apart as unto the Lord and not unto themselves or all of the other things uh, that they needed to do or that would be on their mind. Number three, the Sabbath day was to be a reminder of the Lord's work and power. Is to be a reminder of the Lord's work and power in Exodus 20 that we've already read. Uh, God uses again the creation account as something that they would remember and reflect on as they would rest on that seventh day just as the Lord rested. But when you remember that creation account, it would be a reminder of, again of the power of the authority of the creator God of the universe. That just as God rested on that seventh day from his creation, so we too enter into a day of rest. The nation of Israel would have this on their mind and in their heart. It was a reflection and a reminder of the Lord's work and power. But let me read to you in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. You're going to see very similar wording in the command here in regards to the Sabbath, but it's going to end with some slightly different reminder than what was in Exodus chapter 20. Look at chapter 5, verse 12 of Deuteronomy. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. Now here's where it's different in Deuteronomy chapter 5 than what's recounted for us in Exodus chapter 20. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Don't miss, again, what is the very reason that God is telling and commanding them to remember and keep the Sabbath day. There's really two main reasons that he gives in Exodus chapter 20. The creation account, remember the creation account, remember that the Lord your God created in six days and rested on the seventh, his power, his authority, his creation. And here in Deuteronomy chapter five, he says, remember the Sabbath, remember why? Because you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What is God wanting them to focus and remember on the Sabbath? He's wanting them to remember when they rest, as God rested in creation, that when they rest, he also wants them to remember the fact that they are resting because God has delivered them from the slavery that they were under in the land of Egypt. 
He's wanting them as they take that rest to recall and remember there was a time when they had no rest from their labor. He's wanting them to remember and recall that they used to be under the bondage and in slavery to Egypt. And it was the Lord their God who with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm would deliver them from the bondage of Egypt that they were under. And now they were able to rest, but only because of his faithfulness, because of his power, and because of his greatness. And so therefore, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy as unto the Lord. Do you see what God's doing here? God is wanting them to reflect and remember his great work and his great power. Every Sabbath... Every Sabbath that the nation of Israel would rest and that they would set apart for God would be a reminder that the God that they served is the creator, that he has all power, and that he rested that seventh day, but also he is their deliverer, the one that has made rest even possible for them because he's brought them out of the land of Egypt. Oh, by the way, look back at Exodus chapter 20 and verses 1 and 2. God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out, what? From the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. He wants them to be cognizant and remember what he has done even in the giving of the 10 commandments. And here in this fourth command to keep the Sabbath, to keep it holy, he wants them again to reflect and remember that he is that God that brought them out of the land of slavery, out of the house of Egypt, that he's delivered them. He wants them to remind themselves of his great work and of his great power. That's what the Sabbath would serve as for the nation of Israel. It would serve as that weekly reminder again and again of who God is and what God has done. And God took that very seriously. Have you ever traveled somewhere and brought back with you either a souvenir or a memento of some sort that would allow you to remember that trip or that place that you've gone to? Uh, I try to do that with any missions trip that I go on is bring back something from that trip that would be a reminder of that trip. And, and when I was in uh, Mexico most recently, I bought a, um, a, this carved wood carved donkey with a blanket on its back that someone there, that new John Reeser missionary we support there made this, it's just a beautiful carved donkey um, that I have on my dresser. And every time I see that, it makes me think of Mexico and it makes me think of John Reeser and the work that they're doing at shoulder to shoulder and, and all that's happening there. When I was in Thailand, I uh, bought um, this carved elephant, um, wooden elephant, and, and it again serves as a reminder of, of all that work that's going on there and what God is doing there. And, and when I see those, it just immediately brings my memory back right, to those trips. Maybe you've done that before as a family. If you visit certain places, you have certain things and they're displayed throughout your house that when anybody sees it, they're like, oh, tell me about that. What's that? It's an opportunity to, to recall and tell about that activity, event, trip, whatever it may be, and it's special to you. That's what the Sabbath was. The Sabbath was that for the nation of Israel when it came to the worship of their great God, the creator and the one who delivered them. That's why it's so important for the nation of Israel to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy, set apart for God, because it would be a constant reminder for them as well as for other nations of who God is, of the God that they serve, 
and that they are God's people. Number four, the observance of the Sabbath day is not commanded for the believer today. Uh, As we've mentioned at the outset, uh, as far as the Ten Commandments series, this is the one command that in the New Testament is not reemphasized or given for the church to be obedient to or follow to today. Uh, It's not one that is commanded again. Actually, um, in particular, there are a number of verses that speak to the opposite of that, that each individual must be convinced in their own mind as far as their observance of any kind of special days or feasts or celebrations. Uh, Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. In Romans, Paul says, uh, in Romans chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, one person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Paul would make it clear in Colossians, in Romans, Jesus would emphasize in regards to his activities on the Sabbath uh, in, in keeping or not keeping as far as the strictness of the Sabbath according to the Pharisees, that the Sabbath was something that was never intended to dominate or rule man. Uh, It was for man's good and for the glory of God. In New Testament scriptures, we're not commanded to keep the Sabbath as a day that is a day of rest and to keep it holy as unto the Lord. Although there are some that still would keep the Sabbath, although there are some that would now say, hey, now that Christ is raised from the dead, we would keep what is called the Lord's Day, which is now Sunday, and set apart Sunday almost as a new Sabbath unto the Lord. That's fine. Uh, Paul would say, listen, there are certain people who are keeping certain days and certain holidays and certain festivities and and festivals, and there are certain people who can only eat certain things and drink certain things. Fine, let them do it as unto the Lord, but there is not a specific command and strictness to thou shalt keep the Sabbath day for the New Testament church today. The observance of the Sabbath, which had a very specific reason for being observed and a very specific purpose for the nation of Israel to observe is not something that is commanded for the church, for you and I to observe today. So in light of those truths, those four truths that we've looked at in regards to the Sabbath, it could be natural to sit here and be like, that's great, thanks for all that information, so what, right? Uh, If we don't have to keep the Sabbath, and that's great that they kept it, and it was to be a day of rest, and it was to be a day set for the Lord, and it was a day of remembrance and reminder and all that, that's great, thank you, but what does that mean for us today? What should that mean for us today? Well, I think there are just four principles that are helpful and wise that you and I can take from what we've looked at and implement into our own lives as we go from here. So number one, a day of rest is healthy and wise, so take time to rest. Uh, God modeled this from the very beginning of creation, not just for the nation of Israel, but for everyone who would read that account that it is good to have a day of rest. Uh, Jesus modeled this during his earthly ministry where there would be times that Jesus would take time to get away from the crowds, get away from the people, get away from all of the activities that were going on to rest and take time with his heavenly father. A day of rest is healthy and wise, so take time to rest. There are all kinds of studies 
that have been done of the health benefits of resting. There are all kinds of studies that have been done of how negative, detrimental it is to your emotional, physical, and mental health when you never have a day of rest. God knew what he was doing in modeling that, in commanding that for the nation of Israel, and it's something that you and I as believers today with wisdom should take time to rest, to build margin into our lives where we have time that we can rest from labor. Uh, It was interesting because if you're like me, your schedule's busy and it's sometimes chaotic and crazy. And I had someone ask me, several people ask me towards the end of this week, which they normally never do. And they're like, hey, so what do you have going on this weekend? Normally, our house is like a shuttle service, like it feels like that, where like with all of our kids right now, because none of them can drive yet, and they all have activities where we're constantly going. If someone has like swim lessons or running club or girls on the run or track or whatever, they're constantly going different directions, and there's only two adult human beings in our house and four children that have to be places, and sometimes you can feel like, what is going on and how can we accomplish all this? Um, The last several weekends have been slammed. They've been busy stuff going on. And so someone asked me at the end of the week, like, so what do you got going on this weekend? And I was like, well, it's just about the same. I'm like, actually, what? nothing going on this weekend. And if you ever ha- been in that position, it feels good, doesn't it? Like to be able to say, actually, don't have anything happening on Saturday. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and so I'll tell you what I did on Saturday. I took a nap on Saturday. It was the greatest thing ever. I'm like, this is, this is a nap. It was great. And, uh, and it was one of those things where like you could feel like you could just rest and you could just relax. Well, listen, we need, as human beings, our bodies need rest. It's the same thing with all the studies that have been done about sleep. And if you deprive your body of sleep, that your mind, emotional, mental, and physical health is directly impacted by that. God knew what he was doing. So a day of rest is healthy and wise. Take time to rest. Number two, a day devoted to worship of the Lord is healthy and wise. So commit to a day of worship. For the nation of Israel, this was to be every day, a day of worship to the Lord, a day that is set apart, a day of sacrifice to the Lord. For the believer in Christ, every day is a day that we should be committed to worship of the Lord. But there's great wisdom in setting apart a day that is devoted to the worship of the Lord. This is healthy and wise, so commit to that. Uh, Commit to weekly being a part of what's going on with the body of Christ in the church. Commit to weekly being able to worship in singing and in the teaching of the word. Commit weekly to being with God's people because this is healthy, this is wise. A day devoted to worship of the Lord is something that has been demonstrated in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament scriptures. It is healthy and wise to do this. So continue to do that. Number three, Reminding ourselves of the Lord's work and power is healthy and wise. So commit to weekly recounting his work and power. Maybe you already do this and maybe you don't, but can I ask you to add to your routine on a Sunday that is set apart to worship the Lord, to set apart time on that Sunday to recount for yourself the good and mighty things that God has done in your life. To be reminded and to reflect on the power and work of our great God. Again, in remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy, God was wanting the nation of Israel to recall and to remember that he's the creator, that he's the one that has delivered them. It is healthy and wise for you and I weekly to remind ourselves of the great power 
authority, goodness, and work of our God. And so we should commit to doing that weekly. Number four, whatever you and I commit to and observe, might we do it as unto the Lord and for his glory. Uh, In giving the Sabbath, it was to be a Sabbath, a day that is holy to the Lord. It was to be unto the Lord. Might whatever you and I do day in and day out be unto the Lord and not unto men. Might it be unto the Lord and for his glory rather than for ourselves because he alone is worthy and deserving of that. The Sabbath day was a day that the nation of Israel would observe to the Lord. In doing so, they would be setting themselves apart as those that worshiped and served the creator God, the God of Israel. In doing this, they would rest from their labor, but they would also remember and worship God for who he is and the great things he has done. They would be reminded week in and week out, every Sabbath, of who it is that they serve, of who it is that is over them and what he's done. It is good to be reminded for you and I as believers today to rest, to reflect, to remember, and to worship our great God. Not just weekly, obviously daily, but it is good to set apart a day to do just that. And so I encourage you in regards to the Sabbath, let it serve as an example to follow. Even if it's not necessarily a specific command for the New Testament church to obey, let it serve as that example to follow because there is wisdom in that. There's good health in that and we can give God glory in that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the commands again, Lord. Uh, Thank you for who you are, your goodness and your greatness. God, I pray that we as your children would desire to give you glory, that we would reflect regularly, Lord, on who you are, on what you've done and what you're capable of, that we would rest from all of the distractions that life brings and set apart a day, Lord, where we can worship and reflect on you. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us to take these principles from the Sabbath and that we would faithfully implement them into our own lives because we want to give you the glory that is due unto your name. So give us the strength to do just that. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.